in a general sense. Um, but the adoption brings one into the personal relationship with God, his father. Um, so, and he also mentioned the, uh, the, the main topic was the privileges of the adoption. He had uh, here 17 points. And one of those points that um, he mentioned was actually uh, protection. That we are being protected by God at various times, in various ways, as we are his children, as we are his adopted children. And I would like to add the another benefit that is not written here is actually, it itself is a sanctification. As sanctification, we are growing in holiness. Um, so before we get into um, any sort of discussion, I would like to read scripture and then pray. It's Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 19. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under the grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because, because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Let's pray. Father in heaven, sovereign Lord, we are not worthy to come to your presence. We are not worthy to be called your children. We are not worthy to be considered by you. But yet... You have made yourself known to us. You saved us. And you are doing your work in us to transform us like Christ. Today, as we speak about sanctification and this brief study, help us to learn from your word. Help us to grow in holiness. 
and help me, Father, as I speak, that I may not speak anything that is not coming from you. In most precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Does any of you know the meaning or where, what does sanctify or sanctification means? Yes. Yes. Set, sanctify means set apart, which is also um, the same root as holy. Basically, sanctification is a process of being set apart for God's purposes. So, in the beginning of Christian life, um, there are a few things that happen. And before I full disclaimer, because I'm only doing the half chapter of sanctification, um, in order not to jump into Jivin's portion next week, I'm strictly following the textbook with few, few um, other resources, very few. So, in the beginning of Christian life, a few things happen. Um, first, somebody tells us gospel, our gospel is given to us, and then we have a regeneration experience, and we know that we are justified, and not because of us, but God, and then we are adopted into as God's children. And all these things happen as we become believers. Um, but sanctification is a process that does not happen when we become believer, neither that doesn't happen when we leave this earth. It is a process that keeps on happening from the, from the birth of a Christian life till, he de- till one departs the earthly adobe. So it is a progressive work and in which God and man both cooperate. Um, now, w- what does Grudem define sanctification as? Is a sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin unlike Christ in our actual lives. So this is this just not not done by God alone. This does not happen by our own pure um, discipline or grit. It, the, it is a cooperative work with both God and man. And this is the process that defines, basically makes us slowly or even in some cases a faster growth from sinful lives to Christ-like lives. Now, Grudem actually gives a good, good uh, differentiation between justification and sanctification. And this is very important to know why justification is different from sanctification because justification is, is done by Jesus. We don't have any role to play. But sanctification, is there is a role for us to play and for God to play. Is there any other difference anyone can point between justification and sanctification? Yes. Yes. Anyone else? So one thing is justification is basically legal standing. This caught my attention because now we are justified before God. He considers us righteous. But sanctification is an internal condition that we are being constantly changed. And justification happens one time, as Mara pointed, and sanctification keeps happening. And justification is perfect. Why? Yes. Through Christ. 
Just through Christ. Yes, through Christ. Yes. And we become more aware of our sin. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes us want to, you know, get rid of it. It's like going into the back of your closet. Yeah. Yes. So, it is not, the justification is perfect because it is done by Jesus and we have clear legal standing before God the Father, but sanctification is not perfect. It's, there is no clear way for sanctification. We have to cooperate and we are sinful people and it doesn't happen probably as each one of us expects to happen in a clear, straight path to grow. And what other processes do you think are continuous in one's life since birth? Uh, um, to, 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 to simplify this question, in our biological life, what other process, process is something that is continuous, that will not depart us? Growth. We keep growing. And if I pinpoint something, we keep breathing since the moment of birth Till we depart life in a biological sense. It's the same thing in sanctification. It keeps on happening. If it is not happening, means that we are not alive, either spiritually or physically. Now, there are three stages to sanctification that Grudem talks about. And I looked at other theologians. They actually mentioned three stages. One is here, we'll, we, we are in a non-believing stage. And we are all slaves to sin. At one point... We become believers. And then, as an electrical engineer, I would point this as a delta function, but this is something that happens at some point. Uh, we become from non-believing to a Christian life, and Christian life is where it is on earth, and we keep growing in holiness. And sometimes this growth, we wish it seems like this, but it is never like this. Our sanctification life goes probably sometimes up, down, up, down, but it, it, it needs to have a constant upward growth. But it might be going down, going up. And at some point we hit death, and that's when our souls are redeemed, and then whatever happens, how much of our time, we don't know, but our bodies also become perfect when Jesus returns. Now, this is the whole thing that we're going to talk about today in the, with the word, just what the process of the three stages of sanctification. And the, the, next, the next process, the next uh, thing, half of the chapter will be done by Jivin next week. So the first stage, in, stage happens at regeneration. There is a definite moral change that happens when we become non believers to believers. 
So anyone did not experience a moral, experience a change in your moral standards or the way you look at things when you became a Christian? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, please. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we all experience our... She's just saying yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But what I was saying, what I'm saying is, when we become believers, it is amazing how we used to look at things differently, and suddenly our viewpoint changes. We no more think the same way we used to think. The same things we did, the same people we hang out with. Are the uh, same politics we followed. Now we start to see these things differently. And that is what Gudem basically mentions. There's a definite moral change that happens. And that is the starting of sanctification that happens at regeneration. And there's a overlap, he says, is between regeneration and sanctification. Chapter, chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God, God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So that is exemplified or shown in the word of God how our change happens. And I'm reading the same verse that uh, Brother Anthony read today, uh, another verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So we, we, we know all the sins that are mentioned here. And all the sins become completely visible right before our eyes when we become believers. And something that just happened in our souls, in our minds, in our body, that we quickly change and it sort of continues in our upward path. And that is what sanctification is. And we no longer allowed to sin. And is there anyone, I know all of us sin, none of us are perfect, but is there anyone, people sitting here, enjoy doing sin? We might be thinking we like it, but in our hearts and consciences, we are regretting what, I do, what we are doing. Any type of sin. It can be a simple um, lie. It can be something that is sexually immoral. But as Christians... When we are committing it, it's impossible for us to enjoy any kind of sin that we do. As I read in the beginning, Romans chapter in Romans chapter six, there's exposition of how we need to be not sinning and how we need to be giving over ourselves to righteousness. And in Romans chapter six, it says that we are set free, and that setting free involves a power to overcome our acts of, acts of uh, sinful acts 
our sinful patterns and sinful behavior. So at the moment of regeneration, God is giving us a power to overcome. It's not that we are fully perfect and we, we will overcome for sure, but there is some power that God is imparting to us to overcome the, our sinful behaviors and sinful patterns. So we are no more slave to sin. And today we look at the world outside. As we are believers sitting here, there are people who are fighting to kill babies. They're actually passionately doing things to do sin. They're not just committing sin, but they're preaching to do sin. Their eyes are blinded because they're slave to sin. And as word of God says, such were all of us. And at the moment of regeneration, we changed and the sanctification started happening in our lives. And I can clearly say, and all of us can say with the proof of word of God and with our own life experience, we are not free of sin. And probably we will be never, um, we will never be free of sin as long as we are in this world. But at the same time, um, an irony is, we cannot also say, the sin defeats me. Because God is giving us power, or he's imparting us the power to, def- to, to, to overcome the sinful behavior, sinful nature in us. If we say that we do not have sin in us, that means we're actually denying the scriptures. Um, I'm not putting the scripture because we already know this. So with the regeneration, what happens is there's a change in desires that happen in our lives. We no longer want to sin, but we want to grow in God. And we have a change in once, um, we, 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 our primary love changes and our primary desires change as, as regeneration happens in our lives. That's the first stage of sanctification. And the second stage of sanctification is all our lives in... Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. As the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, we slowly become mature and we don't, we think of what we are doing and we do not, we slowly not stop sinning. So the second stage is the Christian life on earth. Probably this is the longest stage and that's all the phase we are in currently. I will again read Romans chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So there is sin in our lives 
when we become believers, but we should not let it rain. And we need to have the transformation in our Christian walk in order for not to sin. And as we transform, God, we are becoming more and more Christ-like. I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I, I want to know this, this phrase. One degree, uh, being transformed into the same image, that's of Christ, from one degree of glory to another. We, we, at the time of regeneration, we are sanctified. It says in a past, past uh, participle. But as we continue in our Christian life, we are being transformed into Christ's image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So word of God is clearly saying we are being transformed from one degree of, one degree of glory to another. So this transformation is continuous. And, and it keeps happening. So Philippians chapter 3 verses 8 to 14. I'm, I'm, I'm continuing whatever I read from Corinthians. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. But that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This summarizes our, our struggle to, to, to be um, transformed or the, the, what should be happening on earth in our Christian life to get transformed into the image of Christ. That um, I'm just reading verse 9 here. That it comes from the true faith in Christ alone. And this righteousness from God only depends on faith. Uh, it does not come by any way. But yet, we have to cooperate in this stage of Christian life on earth with God as, as we need to transform. So, in, um, here in these verses, Paul is actually talking to Philippines, um, Philippians. And he's already a sinner and he's also mentioning he's not perfect. And he, and, and he mentions that he's striving to achieve the goal. And I'm going to read the scripture. So if Paul is striving to achieve the goal, how much more we need, we need to be straining to achieve the goal. So moreover, the whole New Testament is about is some form of sanctification. We take any chapter, any verses, it talks about how do we get sanctified. These are all different commands to given to us to grow more like Christ, to live more like Christ, to, uh, to be in God's family. So, I'm, um, I'm going to read um, continuing verses in Philippians. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of, of, for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to read these three verses again. Uh, please pay attention. And if one or two of you can give me what you understood from these verses, that would be great. In light of sanctification. Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Any comments or any first um, call? I'm going to repeat what Pastor Paul said, but is there anyone else who want to give a comment? Yourself to take up your cross, daily, and that's all encompassed what you're talking about. Amen. Yeah. Because it's a process, you keep denying it. You have to do the self life and keep on applying the cross to the self life and keep the focus on the kingdom. Yeah, earlier comment Pastor Paul made, he said, Sometimes past can be a prison, and Paul knew he's not perfect. So he's keeping his eye on Jesus. And he's taking the faith and straining forward to become better rather than fixing his, or rather than looking back and feeling disappointed or, you know, stranded there. He wants to go ahead. 
is a, and this is this is how our Christian life is. And last night, um, my wife is here. We had something happen um, in our house that, for me, that exemplified sanctification as I was preparing for this. We had an argument and we sat for two hours um, in our flesh arguing with each other. And suddenly at one moment, we are, we are done with the argument um, in a sense that we are hurting each other but there is no progress. Then Esther quietly says, why don't we talk thinking as if Jesus is here? And then the whole demeanor, the way we behave, everything changed. And this happened for the first time. As, as Jesus comes into our lives, as Jesus came into our living room, things changed. And I think God equips us. It could have happened two hours before. Right? With, with Jesus in our lives, we would have not argued anything. But there is sin reigning our bodies. And we, in, our, in our sin we argued. But at the same time, God is giving us, us power through the word and through Holy Spirit, to overcome that sinful nature of us, to be able to be conformed to His will. Last night we ended with humbling ourselves and planning for future, how we should be going ahead, uh, <laughs> not to argue further. So I felt our Christian lives are like that. We, we grow, we keep, we, sometimes we sin, but there's a point comes, we grow over that. And it's keep on growing, growing, growing. Pastor Paul mentioned multiple times after he had problems with prostate cancer how God is still sanctifying and he's being made into more of into Christ's image as he goes through this trial, health trial of his, even at this age. So it is a progress. But sometimes there can be regressions or we won't be able to grow in cases like as a Christian if we have bad teaching. If we don't have elders and teachers or the people we follow on internet, if they're bad teachers, we may not be able to grow in sanctification. If there's no good Christian fellowship, we may not be able to grow in sanctification. And if there is a little, uh, no, not, I need to remove the word A, uh, but so, if, there's, if there's no attention to God's word or prayer, then we won't be able to grow in sanctification. So, Grutem clearly mentions that we need to be having good teachers of people whom we follow, teachers of the word of God, and we need to have good Christian fellowship, and we need to be giving daily attention to the word of God and prayer to be able to grow in sanctification. I am amazed how God speaks to people in the church as I go through some issues in my life, that he sanctifies me through perfect... As in, a, in a situation that I can't tell myself, but others can come and speak into me, and I, uh, in that situation gets better, and through that I get sanctified. Um, so I want to ask one question, and we probably will end very soon with, uh, with my, the third stage. Um, can you see a pattern of definite growth in sanctification in your life? And would any be, anyone be willing, uh, or um, would anyone be courageous enough to share a pattern of definite growth? Yeah, and Marie. Yeah, I think what I constantly see is with me, the old woman still lives in me. Like, 
loved my skin. Mm. When I wasn't saved, I loved my skin. I loved talking about the things that upset me. I could go on for hours. And the more, like, the more attention I gave to it, the more it grew. And So you're saying that happened over a period of time? Over a few hours. Okay, okay, okay. So let's talk. Yeah. Sorry, can you repeat that? The, the more that you are sanctified, the more you become holy, oh. the more you mourn over the remaining, the sin that remains in you. Um, so as, as preachers say, um, although you never sin, you become, you never become sin less, you, become, you do sin less, right? And you see this in the life of, of the Apostle Paul, um, where in good brother I mean my, my own personal life I think humility when humility takes over we feel more sanctified or that Christ, we are actually wearing Christ that's the word of God describes so I will get to the third stage and I'll do it fast the third stage of sanctification is basically death we just 
hit um, this, this, this thing, where Grudem, uh, my eyes were actually opened. I didn't know this much uh, before reading the chapter. He says, for our souls, the sanctification is complete. But when the Lord returns, when Lord Jesus returns to earth, that's when the sanctification is basically complete for our bodies. So he says the true sanctification are for souls and bodies. Because when he returns, we receive a new resurrected body, a glorified body. But we will actually be with God when we die. So our souls are set free from indwelling sin and we are made perfect. And it is shown in Hebrews 12, 18, 14. This is a long uh, verse again. Um, this is uh, here. Uh, Paul is describing uh, people are, are whatever he's describing here. They are coming to worship God, and how he, he mentions that um, um, their souls that are sanctified. I'll read it. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and attempts. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Um, this, this is a portion I want to read. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Unto innumerable angels in feastal gathering, unto the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, unto God, the judge of all, unto the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, unto the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So here we see the, the spirits of the righteous that are made perfect. In other words, he talks as souls. And the souls are going there and everything is being there. So our souls are, are free from indwelling sin because no sin can be in the presence of God. And, and our sanctification also includes our bodies. Earlier we read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. I'm reading it again. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body, spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So it's not only talking about our souls, but it's also talking about freeing ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And we await our resurrection bodies. And it is clearly, and most of us know the verses in the, in the in Bible which talk about us receiving resurrected bodies. And in our earthly bodies, there is no perfection. There is sin. Even though we, uh, we, are, we are redeemed at the, at the time of our death, our souls will be with, the, with God. Our bodies will only be redeemed when Jesus returns. And I'm just going to read um, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a few verses there. For in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Just as we born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man 
of heaven. As we die in the image of man, that is Adam, we resurrect in the image of Christ, that is him, uh, Jesus. Um, so I think I'm pretty much done with my teaching, but if any one of you want to ask any question or any comments, please do, otherwise I have little more I want to talk about. And that is going to come next week, what you're describing. So this is not the complete uh, chapter on the sanctification. Next week, Zibini is going to talk um, the, the meat of it. I'm only giving the introduction. Yes, Pastor. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So I have skipped many Bible verses, but there are actually three references in my that I printed that actually says what Pastor Bob said.
Yeah. yeah, next week, Jivani is going to talk about our role and God's role in sanctification. That's all going to come. Mercy, yeah, you can... that's great segue into what what I'm going to share now. It's positional sanctification, progressive sanctification. So I'm going to share a few words and again I'm I'm, I'm going to read three verses and I'll open the floor for discussion. Matthew chapter 5 verse 48. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's one. 1 John chapter 3 verse 6. No one abides in him, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And 2 Corinthians 7, 1, we already read, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So, um, I'm reading Matthew chapter chapter 5, verse 48 again. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, we talked about progressive sanctification, but here the one, one verse, verse from the word of God says, you have to be perfect. How does it work together? How do we reconcile it? Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But we've been talking about Progressive sanctification now. And we already know that sin is in us. We cannot be perfect. But why does John mention, I'm sorry, Matthew mentions that we have to be perfect as Heavenly Father is perfect. Because 
And just to not, um, not to waste our time as we're running out of time, this is, uh, Gruden mentions this is a perfectionism. Uh, he says we have, the, the view that we have to be perfect in this world is perfectionism. And he says God gives us a command. It doesn't imply that he actually gave us the ability to always obey. We, we are to obey, but we always don't have the ability to obey. And as you know, because of sinful nature. And one example is, think about unbelieving people. The Word of God clearly talks about how he has given moral laws even to them. And he counts them accountable for failing to obey. But they cannot obey. So there is an ability to obey his commandments that, that we, we do not, sometimes we do not have. And when you look at Matthew verse 4, chapter 5, verse 48, it is an absolute moral, moral purity. The standard is the absolute moral, moral purity that comes from God. It will not be lowered. Because we cannot, just because we cannot reach, it will not be lowered. It is perfect, the absolute perfect, and we cannot reach it. It is there for us to always aspire to it, go towards it, strive towards it. But it doesn't mean we will be perfect in this world. So I'm, I'm reading, uh, I'll read one more verse and then talk on it and I'll um, finish it. So First John, First John chapter 3 verse 6. No one abides in him, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. It's actually quite harsh to say if you sin, you did not know him or you didn't see him. So the Amplified Bible says the same words like this. No one who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly and habitually practices sin. And no one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. So this, is, this verse is basically talking about people... A Christian cannot deliberately, unknowingly, and habitually sin. Pastor Bob earlier mentioned about how sometimes in impulse we do sin. It's not that we are premeditating it. In impulse we are doing sin. And Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says, um, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So what of God compliments itself saying we are not perfect, but yet we have a moral purity that we always should strain and achieve to go towards it. And that is what sanctification is. Um, I'm, I'm going to again read Romans chapter 6, verse 12, verse 13 that we read earlier. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from life, death to life, and your members to God as instruments of uh, uh, for righteousness. So this clearly says sin will be part in our life and our role in sanctification is basically we should strive towards presenting our members, presenting our body for righteousness, not for unrighteousness. Presenting ourselves to God as somebody who is brought from death to life, not as instruments of unrighteousness. Um... James 3.2, as an encouragement, it says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, 
he is a perfect man all and able able also to bridle his whole body here all i want to mention is jesus brother is saying we all stumble in many ways okay. we all stumble in many ways so the people going towards perfectionism is something that is not existent we cannot be perfect yeah yeah is a progressive work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Again it comes back to the positional sanctification progressive sanctification. I'm just going to leave you with this encouragement from 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12 Let no one despise you for your youth but set believers an example in speech in conduct in love in faith and in purity Thank you Eric would you mind closing in prayer
Christ, which is the most Father, we thank you, Lord God. Let us be in 